Hello and welcome to Special Issue, Wiley's podcast for societies about all things scholarly publishing. I'm Steffi Nightingale. We know that open access improves equity when it comes to accessing research, but it can present barriers when it comes to publishing research. So as we transition towards open, how can we work together to improve equity in research publishing and break down some of these barriers? And how do we actually go about achieving this goal? That is, how do we know where the gaps are, who needs more support from us, and what researchers need? And how do we then respond to those needs? Might sound like a bit of a challenge, but luckily Research for Life is here to help. They are an organisation that has played a fundamental role in improving equity to accessing research for over 20 years. So today we'll discuss the work that they're doing to support researchers and also how publishers and societies can work with them to progress the shared goal of becoming more equitable and inclusive. So it's over to Leila Moore and Sarah Phibbs to introduce themselves and tell us more. Hello everyone um, and thanks for joining us today. My name's Leila Moore and I'm the Director of Open Access Policy at Wiley. Um, I'm joined today by Sarah Phibbs from Research for Life um, and we're going to talk a little bit about this great organisation, what they do to support researchers and how you can get involved. Um, so hi Sarah, thanks for joining me today. Hi Leila, thanks for having me. Very welcome. So I'll jump straight into the first question. Um, could you tell us a bit about your role at Research for Life and the work that you do there? Fabulous, yes. So my role is Director of Publisher Partnerships at Research for Life. And so my job is really to represent societies and publishers within the partnership. My role's provided through the STM Association, the industry body for research publishers. And in that capacity, I'm also sitting on the Social Responsibility Committee at STM, supporting work on SDG Publishers Compact. And we're trying to develop a roadmap for how to get started uh, in the SDGs for publishers and societies. Wonderful, thank you. And could you talk a little bit about um, what Research for Life as an organisation does? Yeah, sure. So uh, Research for Life is 20 years old now, um, and it's a partnership between publishers, UN agencies, various technical partners and librarians. And we all came together to donate content to lower income countries. And we have a discovery portal and it now reaches over 11,000 institutions across 125 lower income countries. And we've just reached the 200,000 resources mark. So that's books and journals and databases. And our goal is really to provide a kind of Harvard level of library collection to our institutions. But as a result of a new strategic plan, we're transforming from simply discovery to a broader role to increase that participation of Global South researchers in the whole of the research communications ecosystem. So we have four pillars of activity. So Research for Life Discover, which is our discovery portal, Research for Life Open, Research for Life Learn, and Research for Life Exchange. And I'll talk a little bit more about some of those later. But really crucially, we want to ensure that users are at the heart of the strategy. And so having representatives on all of our committees from the executive group, content policy, eligibility, capacity development committees, finance committees um, really makes a terrific difference to the way that we're working. 
So, for example, just recently I had a great follow on chat with Funcho, who's our new country connector in Bhutan, and he was flagging up gaps in our discovery portal for business content to meet their needs in Bhutan. So that's an action now for me to go out and talk to the publishers who provide the, that kind of content to join our partnership. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Um, so clearly the work that Research for Life does to support researchers is fundamental to improving equity. Um, I'm really interested to know how you go about deciding which countries are eligible for support that you provide. Yes, great. So we have an eligibility committee and that's made up of publishers and UN representatives and we monitor a set of five indicators. So that's based on the UN least developed countries index, but also coupled with World Bank data. So that's data on gross national income, GNI and then GNI per capita. We also take into account the Human Development Index and a Healthy Life Expectancy Index, HALE. And uh, as a result of that, we then divide our countries into Group A and Group B. And you have to be a non-profit institution to qualify. And the categories are uh, kind of including the obvious category, universities, teaching hospitals and research institutes. But we also extend access to government offices, healthcare centres, national libraries and local NGOs. And they contact us and ask us to set them up with access. And there's a kind of checking pr process to make sure that they're, legit they're legitimate. And publishers can choose to exclude or include um, in some countries their content, depending on their sales programme, but also by type of institution. So to give you a little bit more detail about how it works, Group A includes about 80 countries. And for those, we're providing free access to content. And for Group B, that includes about 40 countries. And there we charge a pretty minimal fee of $1,500. But still, in a lot of our institutions, that fee is a blocker to access. So as a partnership, we're starting to think about how we can waive that fee, but we rely on that revenue to offset our costs. It's only $220,000, but still it's a really important slice of revenue for us to deliver on our activities. So in 2022, we set up Friends of Research for Life. So that's a 501c3 nonprofit based in the States. And the idea behind that is that we can start to fundraise to help build on our work and remove those barriers to access. And we just kickstarted a membership programme to encourage societies and publishers to support us and importantly, support us on an ongoing basis. So a great example of the work that we've been doing in 2022, following the war in Ukraine, we were able to open up emergency access for all research institutions for free. So we shifted Ukraine from Group B into Group A temporarily, and now longer term, they've stayed in Group A. And as a result, we saw a huge spike in registrations for Research for Life and growth in usage. So we subsequently have agreed to set up an emergency action protocol through our eligibility committee, and we've used that to make a similar offer to Syria. And publishers can recommend the action that we take there. Um, there's a site on our website where you can see which actions we're taking. Thanks very much. Um, 
So on to my next question. As I'm sure many people listening to this podcast will be aware, um, academic publishing is going through a bit of a transition at the moment as we move towards an open access world. Um, we know that open access massively improves equity when it comes to accessing research, but it can also present some barriers when it comes to publishing research. So uh, how does Research for Life help researchers publish open access in journals where we charge APCs? Thanks, Ayla. Yes, this is a really hot area at the moment. So um, what we're doing about this is we're badging it Research for Life Open. And we've established through conversations with publishers and various other parties, a best practice programme for open access APC fee waivers in the global south. And we have a mix of approaches. So some publishers offer waivers in Group A and B, as I mentioned earlier, and others offer waivers in Group A and then they discount their fees in Group B. But the main outcome we're driving for is clarity and transparency for authors. So it's clear how they can claim a fee waiver. And we just had a letter from the Minister of Education in Ukraine saying how grateful they were for us enabling their researchers to publish. Now, obviously, often from the diaspora as well. Yeah, that, that's amazing to see those kind of responses coming from people who are actually benefiting from the work that you do. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how you work with publishers to sort of put some of these things into action. Well, we're just embarking on a campaign to share the best practice guidelines more widely and develop communication tools on the website. Um, my role is to go out to publishers and encourage adoption and make things really simple for those Global South researchers. And we've also got a site where you can see the publishers that have adopted these practices and we need to make sure that's kind of widely circulated and marketed. Research for Life Learn, as I talked about earlier, is also running training on open access and broader open science activities. So that really supplements the work that we're already doing with our MOOC programme. So that's the massive online open courses. And we have four languages um, of training materials for librarians and then train the trainer activities to implement best practice in research discovery and now with open access joining that too. Wonderful and are there things that um, sort of societies and publishers can do to ensure that eligible authors are aware of the programme? Definitely. Uh, I think make it really clear, follow the guidelines. So check your practice against the guidelines. Um, but then on the Research for Life website, once you have adopted the guidelines, um, you can use our toolkit of marketing and communications materials. Um, you can use those in your marketing activity on your websites. And we'd love you to share stories and case studies from Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn and reshare our own stories and um, also find out your own stories about your communities. So um, have have a stream of activity that's feeding into your newsletter that foregrounds some of these Global South researchers. Yeah, I think that's so important, sort of actually going and seeing how how this is benefiting authors and talking to authors about their experiences. Um, so I have one final question for you today. Um, how can organisations such as publishers and scholarly societies get more involved with Research for Life and the important work that you're doing? 
Well, I have to say first, to help fund us, um, we really want societies to become members and contribute annually to the running of Research for Life. The programme, I think, has been taken for granted by publishers and societies over the last 20 years. Uh, but without greater funding in our 2024 budget, we're having to scale back our activities and capacity development and user marketing activities. And none, none of us want to do that. Um, so the partnership's been drawing on reserves. And that's not really a long term strategy. So um, so that's my first appeal. But equally, we'd really love your help uh, to help us deliver on the fourth pillar of our strategy. So this is what we're calling Research for Life Exchange. And our vision here is to work directly with international societies to increase global South representation, but also that reciprocal exchange. So ways that we're thinking this can happen is through representation on boards and editorial roles, um, representation at conferences, through membership waiver schemes and society committee and executive roles. And there may be more things that we haven't thought about yet. We're just really getting out of the starting blocks with a few focus groups in this area. And I'm also working on an MBA project um, to do some research um, with Global South researchers. So collectively, I think that will help us to build the foundations of this activity stream. And I hope to share more on that soon. And that sounds like such important work. Um, how can societies get in touch if they want to be more involved with this, this kind of initiative? Yeah, so uh, email me, drop me an email. So my email's on the STM and the Research for Life website, so do get in touch. I'd love the chance to chat with you, um, but also we'd love to have you volunteer on some of our committees um, or recommend volunteers within your organisation. It's a really fantastic opportunity for career development for staff and it gives us new ideas. It refreshes the committee structure because we really rely on all those volunteer committees to help run the organisation. Uh, so, yeah, please get involved. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining me today, Sarah. It's been really interesting talking to you um, and all of the work you're doing sounds it's incredibly important and we, we really do support you. Um, Thanks again and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Leila. Really look forward to working more closely with your Wiley Society partners. Thank you, Leila and Sarah. That was a great start in helping us understand how we can translate our good intentions into meaningful actions that genuinely make a difference. Research for Life has already done a lot of amazing work to help support researchers from across the world, but we all need to pitch into this effort, so it was helpful to hear how publishers and societies can go about doing that. And perhaps it's not that surprising that funding is one of the key ways that we can provide support, but spreading the word and sharing stories about the impacts of this work is also clearly really important. And Research for Life Exchange sounds like a really exciting project as well. I know that I'm looking forward to hearing more about how that progresses. And on that note, if you want to look at improving Global South representation on your journal editorial boards, that's something we can absolutely help you with. So make sure to speak with your Wiley Publishing contact to find out more about how we can support you in those endeavours. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. For Wiley, I'm Steffi Nightingale. 
and you can find more episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you like to listen. You can get more news and information on society publishing from Wiley on Twitter by following us at, at Wiley and Research and on our website wiley.com slash network slash society leaders. Our theme music was produced by Medine and this episode was edited by Dennis Velasco. Thanks for listening.